0: Was poured out into our lives when we believed. Look at the passage of Scripture. It will be for those who make the choice. It will be for those who do what? Who walk on that way. There's a condition to walk on the highway of holiness. You've you got to want it. And if you don't even know that it exists, how can you want it? I want you to know you want it and make that choice. I, I went to watch a soccer game of my nephew a, a little bit back. And it just so happened that uh, Maria's uh, brother, her, her, uh, her, uh, he, he was the coach. And I walked up to him and asked the wrong, I asked a bad question. Hey, what's the score? Oh, and he says to me, we don't keep score, but it's six to four. <laughs> we are messing, we're messing people up. They don't know how to lose. They don't know how to say, everybody gets a trophy. Doggone it, like, crash that stupid thing into the ground. What? We had personalities like mine, we need to learn how to lose. We need to learn how to handle it. Because if not, we're going to raise a spoiled generation. You all right out there? Folks, the road to holiness has a condition on it it's for those who want to choose. You don't just walk there just because you got saved. You've got to want it. It's a choice. The Scripture says it will be for those who walk on that way, who want to get on that path. We're going to experience and have the Lord's Supper today. Jesus walked the highway to the cross. We're going to represent it. We're going to take a part of it. We're going to, be a part. We're going to join in with Him, with His body and in His blood and the bread and the juice today. A highway to holiness exists. It's the road that we are to live on 24-7. It's the road we are to live on. Number two, a highway to holiness not only exists, it has restrictions. You know, certain roads say, you know, um, uh, any uh, semi over two ton, you know, not welcome here, this, that, the other. Sometimes you ever hear of a truck who didn't realize, a big truck didn't realize that there was a height limit underneath a bridge? It came to an abrupt halt. You know, he, 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 he came to an abrupt halt. There are restrictions in regards to on roads and certain roads. And here's a highway to heaven. Here's a highway to holiness. And the passage of Scripture, verse 8, goes on to say, the unclean will not journey on it. Please, let's not call ourselves sinning Christians. I understand. I want you to get, I know that. We seem to emphasize that if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, and that's the truth. But let's not emphasize the fact that we're going to sin. Let's emphasize the fact that we're going to live right. And we're going to do what he asks us. And we're going to do what he calls us to do. The road has restrictions. The unclean are not not to journey on it. Wicked fools. one One of the most degrading words used in the scriptures, the word fools. Before I came to know Christ, that's where I lived. In foolish land. Wicked fools will not go about on it. You know, it says it will be for, in the first part of 8, and it says then there's those that say, no, no, you ain't coming. It shows, what's, it shows that there's restrictions. Verse 9, no lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. No enemies, none, nobody that is acting a fool, no sinners, no disobedient. And that means if I am, I, I, I got to get right. None that, they will not be found there. Here's the word, but only. Isn't that interesting? Only a few said it, Jesus said. But only the redeemed will walk there. The unclean, the wicked fools, those living in sin, those disobedient, they can't walk on the highway of holiness. The passage of Scripture has a condition on it. Haven't you ever seen somebody? I, I, there's a place in Madison, you know, private drive, do not enter, you know. Then you have those wonderful people who put, uh, like, like Roger, they say, you know, uh, trespassers will be shot on sight i got a picture of a machine gun in it. The passage of Scripture says, this is a highway for holiness, but there are those who can't get on private drive. You have to be redeemed. You have to be redeemed. Only the redeemed will walk there. The truth is we know this. For 25, 26 years, I walked on the fool's road. And as much as you may be sitting here today, understand this a fool can be redeemed that's what God's in the business of doing he redeemed me I wonder today if there isn't somebody here today that maybe you came here with somebody or maybe you're visiting or whatever it is and you maybe you played the Christian thing and you just don't realize you're not on the road you're invited to be on the road and Jesus can turn a fool into one of those redeemed. But when you are redeemed, now it's time to walk on the right highway. Now it's time to get on the holy highway. Now it's time to live our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. To be redeemed is to be holy, to walk holy on the holy highway. And as we take the Lord's Supper today, the Scriptures say so very plainly there's restrictions for the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians The 11th chapter, I'll read it to you, verse 27. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. 28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat and drink. Examine yourself. You're going to have a time to examine yourself. Start examining yourself right now. Are you okay? Is there something you need to have made right? Is there somebody you need to go to here and say something? Ask for forgiveness, apologize, make it right. Or somebody outside of church. And if that is the case, and the Holy Spirit brings that to you, you need to deal with that. Because it doesn't matter what church you're from. What matters is, are you saved? Endeavoring to walk on the holy highway. That, that's what the Lord's Supper's for. If you go somewhere and there's not restrictions on people taking the Lord's Supper, be careful. The scripture so clearly says it. There's restrictions to get on the holy highway and there's restrictions for the Lord's Supper. I was over at uh, Lifeline. We are right on Middle Ridge there. And they were paving a good section of Middle Ridge. And all of the semis that were full of asphalt were driving in and out of the parking lot there. Now, that parking lot there is beat up. We had just, it's, it's tar and pitch, and we we're, were trying to get it leveled out, and we spent some money, and, get, and these trucks are coming through. They're coming through. They're coming through. And then I went there one day, and there was this big, like a, a tar tanker sitting there, just sitting there parked. I, I knocked on the door to see if somebody was in there. Uh, I didn't want to wake. I, I knocked, tried to get a hold of them. They're dripping tar all over the place, and I go up to the guy and I said, "I said, could somebody please tell the guys not to park here, move this out of here, not to be pulling through here? I mean, the weight of it is is ruining our our our, our parking lot, and and they're cleaning stuff out on the parking lot. I didn't want to restrict them, but I figured it was the Lord's. It was the Lord's, and they're just tearing it up and. You know, the one guy used the F word, which is, hey, he loves flowers or something, I guess. I don't know. I just said, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't want to be a jerk, but I can't have you ruining this. You don't even care. And there's restrictions. You know, we put some restrictions on. And God has put some restrictions on. Please, don't take the Lord's Supper today unless your heart is ripe. And you can get it right. And you can get it right. The highway to holiness has restrictions, but those restrictions are imposed against the disobedient. The scriptures clearly teach that we would be honored and we can be honored to walk on the highway of holiness with the Lord, not by ourselves. Number three, there's a highway that is the only road to Zion. There is a road, and it's the only road to get on to go to Zion. Now, what is Zion? Zion's kind of like Disneyland, you know? Many people ain't been there. It's a picture of heaven getting there. And people talk about Disney World. You've been to Disney World. You've been there. You read about it. You have descriptions about it. And and you think, well, I'm going there one day. I'm looking forward to getting there. And when you read about Zion, Zion is a picture of, of a place that exists on earth, and it means the city of God. It's the place that the Jewish people said, this is the place where God and humanity come together. There's a place called Zion, Jerusalem. It is a place, the city of God. It's here on earth, but it's a representation of what is in heaven, and it's a lot better than Disney. Because in Disney, you've got to wait in line. There's a lot of suffering in Disney. There's no more suffering in Zion. No more waiting in line. There's a road. It's the only road to Zion. It symbolizes a longing for a wandering people, for a safe homeland. Look at verse 10. And those the Lord has rescued. He's redeemed them. He has rescued them. Isn't that what we claim? (laughs) Then we need to claim that He wants us to walk holy with Him. They will be the ones that will return. They will be the ones that maybe were wandering in the desert and then they come back. They will enter Zion with singing and everlasting joy with crown on their head. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That sounds a lot like me to the New Testament description that in heaven there'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more pain. Old Testament look, an Old Testament version of something looking forward for those who have been rescued. A lot of times people say Christianity is for those people who are weak and need a crutch. Guilty. Yes, guilty. Admit it. Don't fight it. What are you going to do about your sins? Ask somebody. When you die, if you don't have Jesus forgiving you, what are you, you going to do about your sins? Are you going to take them into eternity? Because that will separate you from the Holy God. you take them on into eternity. What is it that you're going to do with them? There's a road. I was down at the lake the other day. And I, I spent some time down there. i take my laptop, doing some study. And there was this west wind. And, of course, I'm a boater, so I always know which direction the wind is and how many miles an hour. It was 9 to 10 miles an hour west. And there was a couple ladies uh, over here, and they're out in the water, and they're kayaking, and they're having a good old time, and they're going with the wind. And they're going from the west on, on to the east, and it's carrying them. And they, they may have thought that they were paddling, but they weren't really doing much. But what they didn't realize, I mean, they were moving. In about three minutes, they were almost out of my sight. That's how fast they were moving. And here's one thing I left out. It was not just a west wind. It was a southwest wind. And as they were going, they weren't going parallel to the shore. They were going out farther and farther and farther. Now, I don't know. Maybe they had a plan, but I thought to myself, man, are they going to need to be rescued? Uh, are they going to need to be call the Coast Guard? I uh, hope they got their cell phone in some type of dry bag or something like that that they could call. I don't know, maybe they had a plan, but they were not Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they were not turning around, and they were not being able to paddle back into the wind. No way. And I do not know where they came from or where they were going, and I, I say to myself, you know, have you not been... Going down life—that's what I was. Just going with life, going with the wind, going with everybody else. Not going against it. Just flowing with the sinful world. At some point, you either realize you need to be rescued, or you just keep on drifting away. And I—I I realized I needed to be rescued. And I, maybe that's where you're at. You need to be rescued? You get a picture. You're not going to make it. You need something more than just what you've had. You need something spiritual. You searching for something. The passage of scripture said, And those the Lord has rescued will return to Zion. Those are the ones that He's rescued. Those are the ones that He has redeemed. Joy and gladness and singing in their hearts. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said to me, You know, I really had this bad situation. And they had been growing and growing in Christ. And they were given really bad news, and they said to me, I had such peace. It was scaring me. <laughs> peace of, how's that for peace of past is understanding? I had so much peace. I was just like, why? In the past, I'd have flipped out about this. And somebody who knows, don't worry about tomorrow. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of all of that. We, we will, uh, I will take care. Your Heavenly Father knows you need these things and this. We take the Lord's Supper today. It represents the road to Zion. It represents the way it represents those who have been rescued, the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for you and me, the highway to holiness is the road to Zion. It's the city of our God. That's what Zion is. It's, it's, it's his place, it's his home, and you're invited to be there. I was traveling with some friends uh, coming back from uh, P.A., uh, I don't know, about a year ago now, and we were coming down the road, and somehow or another, we missed. The off-ramp, the on-ramp, the other road or whatever. Obviously, they we say, we're, we're kind of not going in the right direction. We're going farther when we need to. So then the toy choice becomes, do you get off, turn around, go back and get the right one, or do you just keep going looking for some other way to get home? And all of us jokingly, all of, the, all of the control freaks in the car said, don't turn around, we'll lose time. Just keep going, we'll find some other way. You never backtrack. Never backtrack. That may be okay in the car, but that's a terrible spiritual lesson. Uh, you never backtrack. If you miss the ramp, you've got to come back around, don't you? Sometimes, uh, if you missed the on ramp, a friend of mine had a bumper sticker. It was his favorite bumper sticker. It said, God allows you turns. The Highway Patrol does not. But God allows you turns. Those could be redeemed, those who need to be rescued. Are you a Christian thinking. No one can really live holy. Would you still say and believe that in spite of all that the Scripture has said in spite of a holy God, a holy Bible, and the Holy Spirit? The asterisk's in your notes. If you miss the on-ramp, turn around and get on the holy highway. It Turn around means to repent, to change directions. Make a commitment to live holy. Maybe your big sin isn't the fact that you're uh, uh, sinning some individual sin. Your sin has been, or maybe you didn't know about it, you can live holy. Surrender to it. Surrender to it today. If I could ask uh, Dave to come and if I could ask the ushers to come forward here. We're going to get ready to take the Lord's Supper. Just ask the ushers to come stand up here for a second. Look at the passage of Scripture in Hebrews 12. Just go ahead and play as soon as you get up there. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now the first part of that is, you know, you make every effort to live holy. You know, sometimes you just can't because the other person won't. But the other part of it is make every effort to live holy because without holiness... No one, will see, the Lord, this is, this is our sanctification. This is getting saved, and this is setting ourselves apart to live a holy life. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to come forward and just come to who's ever open, who's ever available here, Would you take the bread, and will you take the juice and hold it in your hand and take some time to prepare your heart? And while you well, I could simply just ask here, these two sections here, come to this middle aisle. Filter up here, take them, go back around. That'll be the easiest. Same over there. If I could give you some direction there. Would you bow your heart? Prepare your mind. You come when you're ready. Pastor Dale, he's going to come then. He'll come and lead us through taking of the uh, juice and the bread.
1: We do want to be clear this morning that every believer who knows Jesus Christ is welcome to participate in the Lord's Supper. If you have, to the best of your ability and knowledge, repented of your sins and asked Christ to come into your life, you are welcomed and encouraged to participate in this part of our service. Please feel free to come. Take the elements, keep them with you as you go back to your seat. And we'll receive as a group in just a moment. Scripture teaches us that we should never receive the Lord's Supper. The phrase that's used in the King James is unworthily. Probably a better phraseology for American culture is casually, thoughtlessly. Scripture tells us to examine ourselves. Make sure there's nothing between us and other people and nothing between us and the Lord so that we might receive the Lord's elements and exemplify and symbolize to our brothers and sisters in Christ what it means to be one together in Jesus. Well, obviously, everyone in this church sat on the left side today and not many of us sat on the right side, so... As some of you are very keenly aware, because you come from a more liturgical background, many churches, Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant, receive the Lord's Supper every time they come together for worship. They take that practice from the biblical admonition when Jesus said, as often as you come, do this in remembrance of me. On the other extreme, we know that when Jesus celebrated it with the disciples, he did not offer them, as we would now call the Lord's Supper, or Communion, or Eucharist as it's called in the Orthodox faith every time they met together. No, he only did it as far as we are aware, one time, and that was in celebration of what we know to be the Jewish Passover. So most evangelical Protestants embrace the tradition that you and I are participating this morning. On a regular basis, as is decided by the leadership of the church, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We do this to remember what he has done for us. We do this to declare afresh and anew to whomever will listen that we are committed to Jesus Christ. By participating in this this morning, you are saying, first of all, that you believe Jesus Christ is God incarnate, that he is your Savior, that he rose from the dead and he won victory over sin. And what he did allowed each and every one of us this morning to receive forgiveness of our sins without question or doubt. One of my awakenings when I first moved to this area nearly 40 years ago is I could not understand when I asked people, many, many, many people, were they Christians? They would say things like, meaningfully, I hope so. I think so. But the bottom line was they were never sure. My dear friends and brothers and sisters in Christ today, you can be sure if you're a Christian. God helped the man whom I walk up to him and say, Hey, are you married? And he's standing on the side of his wife and say, Well, I'm not sure. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are married to Jesus Christ this morning, we need to be proud of it. I thought I'd get a little bit more response. We are the children of Jesus Christ. We are committed to him. We are willing to die for him if necessary. But we're also willing to live for him because it is possible. So Jesus said, as often as you come together, remember me. And that night as he gathered together with his disciples in that room where he had had reserved, that he might celebrate the Passover with his closest friends, he took the bread. We believe he broke it off of a piece of unleavened bread. And he looked at those men around that room that night and he said, they did not understand him. I am positive. This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat this. And remember me. Would you do that now please? On that table that night. There was also what we would call the common cup. That has become known as the chalice. It was not unusual. It was normal that they would have one or two or three chalices. On the table. For 12 to 13 or 14 people. They would share it. That might seem a bit unsanitary to you, but if you were more familiar with the culture of their day and their lifestyle, that would be the least of your worries. And they would gather the cup ever so often, and they would each take a drink, as they thought it advantageous. The people in the Middle East at that time and to this day still do not drink that much with their meals. But that night he took the cup, the chalice, which they were very familiar with. Many evangelicals have great challenge because they say, Well, what was in that cup? Was it wine or was it grape juice? I personally believe it was grape juice. You can believe whatever you wish. I believe in total abstinence when it comes to alcohol. I just throw that in for extra. But I want you to know, biblically, the Bible says when Jesus turned water into wine, it really is the Greek word that meant fruit of the vine. They said, Oh, it's the best. Why is it the best? Because it was not fermented. It took a lot of money to keep it from fermenting. And they couldn't believe that he would have done that. But Jesus said, this cup, this fruit of the vine represents my blood. They fully were aware of what blood meant because blood had to be sacrificed on the altar in Jerusalem for any good Jew to receive forgiveness of sin. Some would speculate that hundreds of lambs were killed every Passover and the blood would be sprinkled on the altar. And if those families, most particular those who were the heads of the family, brought the sacrifice that was appropriate and the blood was shed appropriately, they and all of their family received forgiveness of sins because of that blood of the lamb that was shed on that altar. Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant or relationship. Take and drink this, and as often as you do, Remember me. Do you remember the shed blood of Jesus Christ this morning? It was shed for you that you might know that you are a Christian, receive forgiveness sins. Celebrating that, would you take this and drink it now? Heavenly Father, may your precious spirit dwell with us. Your Son and our Savior, God incarnate, said before he left this earth, he would never leave us alone. But he would give one to us, that third person of the Trinity to whom we call the Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're not only welcomed in this place, without you we can't have church. But with you we're never alone. God grant unto us this morning as your children wisdom, discernment, insight. Is there someone, somewhere, some friend, some family member that we need to minister with or to or apologize to or make something right with Help us to sense that in our spirit right now, Lord. And because we are in this intimate communing relationship with you, help us to carry out what you tell us to do. Lord, we we want to hear from you, but we also want to obey you. So give us of your leading and your guiding that we might, because we have received this morning that special blessing of communing with you, may we go forth a bit better capable of telling other people that we really do love Jesus Christ and we know we are in a relationship with you. Father, and finally, in my spirit, I feel like I want to ask that you would help everyone here. If there be someone here that's not sure that they're doubting, they don't know if they're a Christian, God, may they meet the biblical requirements and by your supernatural grace, impart unto them a deep abiding sense and peace whereby they will know for sure that they are yours. And that they are headed on the highway of heaven. We thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people. Would you say an amen?
0: Amen.